Blog Talk Radio. Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Betsy Emery, uh, CEO of TELUS. Thanks for joining us today, Betsy. Thanks very much for having me. Good. Before we get started, I thought I'd let our listeners know uh, what's going to happen next week. We're going to have on Thursday, the 18th, Dr. Neil Meyer, Ph.D. He's with the Union Institute and University. He is their military recruiter. He's an ex-Marine colonel, a commander, and he's run there, was president of their Vermont campus, and today handles military recruiting for Union Institute and University, as they call it, a, a university without walls. On Friday, the 19th, we're going to have Chris Adams from the Stepping Stones Foundation. They operate their own campus for children and young adults with great and severe disabilities in Indian Hill, and they operate Camp Allen out in Batavia for the Cincinnati Rotary Club. On the 25th, we're going to, that's Thursday the 25th, we're going to have Dave Myers. He is the CEO of Office Key, and he's going to be talking about how to select a small office space, which is efficient. On the 26th, we're going to have Eric Adams of Turnstile. On the 11th of November, we're going to have Terry Flaherty and Andy Kennedy, they're going to be talking about what we need to know about long-term care, both for our parents and perhaps for ourselves. On Friday, the 2nd of November, we're going to have Alan Greer of PrintWeb Technologies, and Alan is going to be talking about some new service offerings that his company has developed for small and medium-sized clients to use the web to lower the cost of direct mail, lower the cost of creating printed material, as well as a technology solution they have for fulfillment or providing literature or materials to clients. And the last guy that I'll talk about coming up is on November 9th, Jim Hunter. He was a home doctor's franchisee who recently purchased the franchisor which is an unusual move, and I thought he'd make a really good guest to tell a great story. Let's talk about you, Betsy. How did you get here? How did you happen to open up a company called TELUS? Oh, that's a great question. And, um, well, I guess to start, I was born and raised here in Cincinnati, and uh, my career has taken me full circle from Cincinnati to San Francisco to Ann Arbor and back here to Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. To answer your question about how I came to start TELUS, I started TELUS after serving as Chief of Client Services for 
a large internet firm called Fry, where we worked with many of the top business-to-consumer websites, such as Eddie Bauer, Crate and Barrel, Coach, Godiva, Spiegel, so many of the pioneers in the early days of e-commerce and internet. Mm -hmm. And I saw that there was a real need in the mid-market where companies were underserved, and so we founded TELUS to meet the needs for providing internet services to companies of all sizes and have served that mission to today. Good. How did you come up with the name TELUS? It's a little unusual. Well, we do a lot of brand identity work with our clients, and we applied that process to ourselves. And we wanted to emphasize that our primary mission is to drive business results for our clients. And so the the, the name TELUS very much focuses on our consultative process for learning about the client's business first and developing Internet-based strategies to meet them. Ah, Covey's Rule 1, seek to understand so you can be understood. Exactly. That's that's great. And you founded the company back in 2003. Yes. As a sole proprietorship? That's correct. And you were the only employee? Yeah. Well, I started with myself and a couple other members of the team. Mm-hmm. And we've grown from there to where we are today with full team here in Cincinnati and a really top-notch team that drives business results for our clients. Good. How many people uh, do you have in TELUS today? We have 10 employees who are focused on the consultative services, and that ranges from web strategy through user experience and quality assurance, as well as what we call ongoing strategic services that help to really measure whether a client's web strategy is on track and whether it's delivering the business results that are intended. Mm-hmm. That's really important. We had the CEO of uh, Thinkvine on. I forget, I forget his last name. His last name was Battaglia. And they're all about ROI mm-hmm. on marketing investments. Mm-hmm. And they, But they only really work with large-scale packaged goods manufacturers, which is not your target market. Correct. How would you describe your target market? So that's a great question. We work with companies of all sizes and actually across all industries. So traditionally, we we started with a focus very much on Internet e-commerce. The e-commerce um, companies were primarily brick-and-mortar catalog or store retailers who were extending and growing into the web, but also that's included manufacturers of products who are going direct to consumer And we not only work with business-to-consumer strategies, but with business-to-business strategies as well. Now, today, those kind of tried-and-true processes that help deliver measurable return for e-commerce-focused clients are used to deliver measurable business results for clients in a variety of industries. So today, we've broadened beyond just that Internet e-commerce focus to a variety of industries. Mm -hmm. Only brings me up to something that that I read about today. Maybe it happened earlier this week. And I'm not talking about the Reds losing. I saw where Best Buy has made a decision to match the best Internet prices in the store for products that they sell. Did you hear about that? That's a great example of the multi-channel integration that's beginning to happen. So as a a consumer, it's very simple. It makes common sense. You know, I'm one customer. I want to experience one uh, brand experience across all the channels. 
And today, that is really our new reality. That's the new frontier is that United Brand experience across all of the media and all of the channels. But, you know, what's simple is not always, you know, the way it's been. And for sure, in Internet e-commerce, the channels have been very divided, and oftentimes that's caused some discord in customer relationships. Well, sure. You know, you could go into Best Buy and pay more than you could getting the same product shipped to you from Amazon until today. And now it looks like they are going to match the best Amazon price in the store for the product that's in stock, mm-hmm. which which seems to make all the sense in the world. I'm surprised it took me years to figure that out. <laughs> I guess they, they got tired of being the showroom for Amazon. Right. Okay. Before we go any further, I, I, I think I forgot to mention a couple of things to our listeners. In two weeks, we have a Sandler cold call camp coming up on Wednesday the 24th. That's an all-day cold call camp. We'll teach people how to get by the gatekeeper. We'll build three scripts for the contact, and we'll teach our clients how to get by 80% of their voicemail messages returned. That's an average. Women will do better than men. (laughs) Some women get over 95% of their calls returned. Will you believe that, Betsy? (laughs) And if you mention that, you'll get a, a discount, and there is a discount for multiple people. The Sandler clients, presidents, club members, sales management, people uh, who are interested, there has been a, a new announcement about the Client Summit in Orlando on February 14th and 15th. It is now going to be labeled No Guts, No Gain, or How to Get Tougher in Sales. Business is getting tougher, not easier, isn't it, Betsy? Absolutely. It's not getting easier in the Internet world. Okay. And what Sandler has done is, for the next 30 days, they have reduced the $500 summit registration fee to $400. And there will be two separate tracks, one for salespeople and one for managers. Last year was the first one. We had about 300, 350 clients. It was a, a great meeting. This this year will be a lot better. The next thing I'd like to remind people about is we have a networking program. That's a four-week networking program. That will run the first four Mondays of January, starting January 7th. If you're a President's Club member and you wish to attend, it's no charge, but we do need your registrations. People who are not Sandler President's Club members but attend things like BNI and want their networking to have a higher return on investment, call our office. If you mention the radio show, you'll get a 50% reduction in the, the cost of registration. Once we've sold out that program, it will not be put on again for at least seven months. Okay, so we're now, we're now back to Betsy. You're an active member of the uh, Cincinnati Chamber of Commerce, Claremont County Chamber of Commerce? Yes. Okay, and and how long have you been a member of the Chambers? Since the beginning of our business. Good decision. I made the same decision when I opened up my business here in Cincinnati. Uh, when I was in California, I was an active member of the Torrance Chamber of Commerce, and I got a lot, of, a lot out of that. Let's talk for a minute about what your company does in brand identity? Mm-hmm. Or, or is brand identity an old school way of thinking? I think that's a great question. And there's many companies who specialize in brand identity and historically developing that brand message and putting that message out to the customer was such a primary focus. And today, as we look at all of the opportunities to tell your story and use this vast array of digital media to attract, engage, and connect with consumers, there's a real question about how you speak that story in a way that's true to who you are and really hits a message and hits a need that aligns with your customer. 
So we have a brand identity process at TELUS that helps to really focus your brand identity messaging in a simple way so that you speak your story with as much impact as possible because on the internet and in the mobile world and social world, your competitors are just a click away and you have to be able to speak that message quickly and capture attention, often as much attention as you might get driving by a billboard on the highway. So you need to be succinct and very impactful. Right. At Sandler, I was part of the marketing technical committee that about six years ago decided that Sandler would create a national brand awareness. We changed the name of the company from the Sandler Sales Institute to Sandler Training because we no longer only did sales. We did we have a separate sales management program. We had separate programs for a large corporate time called Pro Summit. We have a negotiating program. We have a customer service program, the networking program, cold call program, and, and, and other consulting projects, even in strategic planning. And Sandler hired an agency, and they changed the name of the company to Sandler Training from Sandler Sales Institute. And then they changed the, the tagline from Sandler Works, which was kind of nebulous, to they actually did a research study and found out that the one thing that differentiated Sandler from everybody else in the training business was that we are the only company that does long-term positive reinforcement training on a mm-hmm. weekly basis. And here in Cincinnati, we do, I do, over 40 hours a month of training. And so that was a lot to say. Mm-hmm. They cut it down to a few words, and they we now say, Finding power in reinforcement. That's great. And that's a a perfect example of what we talk about in defining your brand essence. So we like to, at the core of our brand identity diagram, map the brand essence, which is one key word or phrase that makes you you. And to validate that we have it right, we like to talk to our clients' customers. So we learn about the company from sort of a 360-degree review of the business through the eyes of their customers. Why do they choose them over competition? Mm-hmm. Why do they love them? What keeps them coming back? And in cases where they've gotten so excited that they referred someone else, what was it that caused that excitement? And we want to make sure we capture that essence in that one key word or phrase. And yours is a great example of that. Right. That would probably cost $70,000 <laughs> to, to come up with. And for the past uh, several years, most of the, the, the million dollars that Sandler spends has been in brand advertising. We work primarily business to business, a small amount business to consumer. And to me, anyway, the return on investment of the continued effort should be generating leads as opposed to brand. Mm-hmm. And that's a continuing argument, Sandler. Uh, after you've established the brand, shouldn't you be generating leads on things like the Internet? Yeah, absolutely. So when our um, goal in that brand identity mapping as a foundation to a digital strategy is a foundation from which we take action. So we want to create strategy plans and take that strategy into action with um, very specific plans for aligning with user needs so that we engage them and compel them to take action. And the action may be filling something out 
that they'd like to get a salesperson to speak with them, and it may be purchasing on the web. So there's a variety of actions we can plan for. Good. Betsy, we're going to be uh, back in a couple of moments. We're going to have, have a break now, and we'll listen to a couple of Sandler commercials. Imagine you just left your prospect's office, and he now has your proposal, quote, or estimate. What do you suppose he's going to do with that valuable information that you just gave him for free? Call you tomorrow with an order? Get real! He's shopping it around to the competition. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. I'm constantly amazed how salespeople operate. They believe a prospect asking for a proposal means the sale is as good as closed. Face it, trained prospects will turn you into an unpaid consultant. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing sales, call me at 513-646-6523. Find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger. Or register now for our next open house, 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. Company owners and sales managers, are you tired of cutting your price to get the deal? Wouldn't you like to have a better way? Wouldn't you want to improve your margins? Call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523 to see if there's a better way for you. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Betsy Emery. Betsy, when you succeed in getting a prospect to click on your website, whether it was through pay-per-click or generic search, and they they want to interact with a salesperson, and they click the button, they put in their name and phone number. How long should they have to wait? Ideally, not long at all. We like to respond immediately. If you can respond within minutes, within an hour, you'll find that the results are going to be significantly larger than if that um, call is not returned for a day or even several days. And I know at TELUS, we try and respond within the hour um, to all inquiries to our website. And we frequently get comments back from the customer that says, you know, that's why I chose you, because you demonstrated a commitment to my business and your responsiveness to our request showed that. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you design a website that's got a response box on it, uh, do you actually uh, let the client know that someone is attempting to put in contact information right now so so the client, the company can have someone call back immediately? Um, We can get very real-time data from the websites, Mm -hmm. and we can tailor that to what we call the engagement funnel for that client. And so I think the key piece is to look at what you... What What is an engagement funnel? Okay. It is a plan that we create in our strategy process that determines what actions we would like your users to take so that The website encourages those actions and therefore meets your business needs. So we want to create web strategies to meet your business needs. And to do that, we need to make sure we're very much tailoring messages to your target audiences and promoting the actions that are desired. Then we want to make sure we have measurement strategies in place so we can give you as much visibility to what your users are doing and allow you to be as responsive to that as possible. So so in the real world, what would that look like? 
you, you get a user on the site, okay, recognizing, uh, and this is my opinion, that when, when they got there, if you search or pay-per-click or even an ad, you probably have five to 60 seconds. If you don't respond or give them what they're looking for, they're clicking back to the search engine and going for the number two or the number three. Yeah, and I think it depends on the, the specific business and how the expectation is set for, for what they're um, requesting. So it, the, the strategy may be different for each business and, and what they expect to happen when they click that button. So I know we work with a lot of clients who use live chat as an example and use it very effectively. Um, some of them do not necessarily have live chat available 24-7. So we have to make sure that we're aligning, you know, the expectations of the customer with what the business is there to perform as well. So do you think live chat uh, would be good for an organization like Sandler, a franchise organization where you have 330 franchises all over the world? Or would it, feed, or, or would it be a detriment? That's a good question. I think I've been accused of that. <laughs> we might have to drill into that a little bit further and look at how the organization is structured to meet the customer need. But in as a whole, it is helpful to get the responsiveness as quick as possible to the user need. So if the staffing plan could be structured so they can get information as quickly as possible, I would say that that would be advisable. Mm-hmm. Also, language. when I think about it out loud, there are language problems, too. Because if you only speak German, you don't want to talk to an operator in Baltimore who only speaks English. Right. So, I mean, and I think that's a, a key piece with Internet strategies is making sure that all of the, the behind-the-scenes organization and infrastructure is there to deliver on those expectations so that the full customer experience is 100% on target. And we work with not only the front end of that strategy, but also ensuring the full end-to-end experience is meeting their expectation and exceeding it. Good. Uh, let's change the subject a little bit uh, and, and talk about ROI, one of my favorite uh, subjects. You do something called the Roadmap to ROI. Could you tell, us, tell our listeners a little bit about what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. The web is there to drive business results for companies. And so the Roadmap to ROI process looks at, deeply at each client business and the goals that they have for growth who their target audiences are, um, how they plan for the web to integrate in with other aspects of their business, and look at measurable return that can be delivered. Um, when we say measurable return, everyone assumes we mean sales growth, and often that is our primary goal, but there's often other ways that it can deliver um, measurable return as well. So we may look at cost efficiency for automating a process. We can look at... Um, building loyalty and mining the value of your existing customer base, um, as well as customer acquisition. But how do you go back and, and measure ROI? I spent $10,000 for my new website. Mm-hmm. How do I measure the ROI on that? So the first piece is to determine the um, the ROI plan. So this is specifically what kind of return, what kind of revenue are we expecting to generate, either through cost savings or through revenue generation? Where do we expect that return to come from? And we typically break this out into a forecast that is a one to five year forecast. 
and for the first year we break it down monthly. So we set very specific and measurable goals for the traffic to be generated, the actions for users to take, and the, the quantifiable return that will result. And we use that roadmap to plan and prioritize what happens with the web so we can measure it and continue to optimize it in, in, um, in light of the results that are generated. So does that answer your question? Uh, yeah, I guess we're moving in that direction. How important is it uh, to get ROI to make, make your website or websites work well with smartphones? Or should, should people be developing specific apps for the iPhone or for the Android family of phones? Well, I, mobile is definitely a growing piece, a very primary piece of digital strategy. So it's something that should be thought through for pretty much everyone. Um, going to the extent of looking at a mobile app, it'd be a very separate decision based on something unique about that company. So um, today, most web technology, the way that websites are created will allow a mobile first way of thinking. In other words, you can plan one design strategy to hit your user experience across all of your devices, and your um, actual design can be flexible and responsive. So it will, the same design will show up different in your phone versus on a web. But it's actually just designed once. The design adjusts for the device. Well, that's really good. Some of the stuff in the past has not done that. In fact, they just we just changed our learning system because they based it on Flash three years ago and just went over to a whole learning system from uh, Cornerstone, which is a... Work, now works on the Apple family of products. It works well. Why don't you tell us about your uh, dashboard for the Internet? Absolutely. So we were talking about how we measure ROI, and the answer to that question has um, become increasingly complex as the web has grown. It used to be you build a website, you drive, you know, drive some visitors to it, they buy something or they sign up for something, and, you know, success, voila, and we have our statistics right there. And largely those statistics were available through any kind of, you know, uh, web data provider, such as today Google Analytics would be the main one. An excellent one, yes. And so we use that, you know, every day in our business. And yet today the um, the whole landscape of measuring ROI has become much broader with um, mobile and social and included in the mix. Now we sort of have the ability to connect with consumers um, or your target customer in a B2B environment anywhere, anytime, any place that meets their needs. So it's a great opportunity because we can now really get good information and target messages very precisely to add value that really align with customer needs. And at the same time, measuring all of that against all of these different devices and all of these different scenarios means we have to be more sophisticated in our measurement. And that's what our dashboard does. Well, well how do you do that? Is it on a real-time basis or is it a like, past 24 hours? How does that work? Yeah, so what we do, <clears throat> excuse me. No problem. So what we do is map the client's web strategy. We're looking at how they're attracting traffic to their website, to their mobile site, to their social um, presence, as well as to their brick-and-mortar presence. And we're 
putting plans in place to get data at each of those touch points and put measurements in place so that we can measure how many people have become aware of you, how many people have gone to the next level and are starting to get engaged with you, how many people have gone from that engagement to maybe now actively inquiring, and how many people are going from inquiring to becoming customers. So the more visibility we can bring through that entire cycle, the better. And um, our dashboard to do that integrates with a variety of data sources for each client. And so that's actually real-time data for a marketing department or as, a CEO? As long as, the, as long as the client's data allows, their data access allows a real-time, then we can plug it in real-time and, and display that. Mm-hmm. Are you actually using it in your own business? Yes, we are. Oh, that's good. Sometimes I find shoemaker's children without shoes. Right. So you're, you've tested it on yourself first. Absolutely. What did you discover when you tested it on your own company? That's a good question. I'd say the the number one insight for us has been the value of long-term relationships and the value of customer loyalty and building advocates in your client base. So for us as a business, we have a very high close closure rate for new inquiries because our referrals primarily come through word of mouth mm-hmm. as well as through recognition in the industry for you know speaking engagements or articles we've put out there. And I, that's very different from clients that we see who are in a much heavier customer acquisition mode. Okay. Let's take a... Uh a short break here, and we'll be back uh, in the middle of the show with Betsy Montgomery. Let's listen to a Sandler rule, rule number 21. Hi, this is Paul Lanigan with Sandler Training, and I'm here today to talk to you about rule 21. Sell today, educate tomorrow. Christmas 2002 was a special Christmas for me because I'd just completed my first year in business, but I had a problem. I had a very fast-looming tax filing deadline. Coincidence, or luck would have it, that there was, there's a well-known accounting software company that had a 10-day trial software offer that was in a local business periodical. I called the company, and I had my credit card in one hand, phone cradle like this under my chin, and I called the number. A very pleasant sales rep answered the phone and asked me how she could help. I said, I'm interested in that software package that you have. Straight away she said, oh, that's our new product, it's just released, and it'll do all your VAT returns for you automatically. Now, VAT is a type of transaction tax we have in business in, in Ireland. But the problem is, sales training companies are exempt from VAT tax. So I told her this. So she then reached into her bag of features and threw another one at me. This will manage all your inventory for you. Of course, it's a training company. We don't have a lot of inventory. You see, she was trying to educate me on her product and trying to sell me on what my need is. Instead, if she had asked me, what prompted you to give us a call or... How are you hoping I might be able to help you? I'd have told her 
that I needed a solution to file my taxes. I had told her that I was frustrated, that I was pulling my hair out, that I needed something fast. Remember the rule, sell today, educate me tomorrow. Sell me on what I need right now, what's my priority, and then tomorrow you can tell me about all the other wonderful things that your product does. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with the CEO of TELUS, Betsy Emery. Uh, Betsy, before I forget, why don't you tell people how they can get a hold of you after the show? Absolutely. They can call on my office at 513-831-6684. And they can also send me an email personally at bemery, that's B-E-M-E-R-Y, at TELUSWeb, T-E-L-L-U-S-W-E-B, Dot com. Good. So, I think we talked a little bit about what maybe we have beat, beat to death, uh, ROI, but ROI is really what it's all about today. People are really concerned about that. How do you measure ROI in in the real world when you're dealing with a, uh, a service business that's not going to deliver product mm-hmm. over the web? Yeah, absolutely. We get that question all the time, and we hear a lot of people who believe it's not possible and therefore spend a lot of money on strategies that do not produce results. And that's a common frustration that we hear of clients who are trying to make sense out of this new digital world, and how do they put that all together? There are definitely ways that you can measure return for companies who are not selling products on the web. And so the way to do that is to look at the specific actions that we want people to take, how we measure the degree to which those actions happen, and we plan them so that they are progressive. In other words, understand that a customer often doesn't just come and sign up on your website and say, I want to buy your sales consulting service. Maybe they will, and that's great, but there's a lot of them who will maybe just be Well, that interested. hasn't happened in 20 years yet, so <laughs> I'm not going to expect that. Yeah, so then, therefore we know they're probably their first to gain a little information about you. Then that looks interesting, so now they want to go to the next level. Maybe they sign up for a white paper, and if that's delivered, that looks good. So now they want to come back and get, you know, t- speak with a salesperson. So we want to plot each stage in that funnel of engagement, as we call it where they be take they become more and more engaged with you. And um, the more we can see the number of people taking each action and then follow that cycle through to those who have signed up, we can truly track and measure the result from a business revenue generation standpoint. So do you have software that, that provides that tracking from top to bottom? We do. Um, we plan the ROI specifically for each client, and we also use data from over 150 website implementations to help validate the data projections. So we like to be very data-driven in our strategies, um, not just say something is a good idea because we're web experts. We want to back it up with proven data from client results. Okay. Let's... uh Talk a little bit about how you go to market. How do you? You said you get a lot of referrals and introductions. What percentage of your business comes from referrals and introductions, Betsy? 
I'd say 90, 90 to 95%. Wow, that's a fantastic place to be in business. So you don't need a new development business development salesperson in your organization. That's correct. We have actually never done real proactive marketing. It's always been much more of an inbound mm-hmm. strategy, but very purposefully planned to focus on generating business results for clients and place the customer first and believe that, therefore, that will result in referral. So in in our business, delivery is our best sales technique. So you're, you're closing in excess of 9 out of 10 prospects that come that fall your way by referrals and introductions. That's correct. Proactively, are you doing anything to uh, look for more prospects? We do, and I'd say that's mostly in conjunction with um, events in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, we will put out um, digital messaging about events that we'll be at. Um, we um, Do you do trade at, shows? We do. So we do you have speak- a trade show booth? We speak at the event. We do the booth. We um, set up meetings with clients to meet us at the event. We'll have white papers and things available online as well as at the show. So, so you do free talks. Mm-hmm. Uh, from your resume, it looks like you do, you do a lot of free talks every year. I do. About how many? Um, oh, I'd say probably six to ten actual events. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh as you uh, look at the marketplace, what are the opportunities and possibilities that you see on the horizon? The, as we look for our clients or for as we look out over the future, you know, we, we we have a little bit of an election here this year. And, you know, what is the primary uh, future view look like for you? When we're looking to... Um, to the future in terms of building our business as well as building our clients' businesses. I think the, the the main thing we're seeing is a real shift in the old way of kind of marketing to customers to more using digital media to engage with customers. And um, the increasing variety of ways to use the web or mobile or social messages Are you to using do the that. Word- uh, customer and prospect interchangeably here? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we, we kind of separate those two. Uh, so your long-term strategy is to engage customers to get more referrals and, and do uh, trade shows, talks, papers. Right. Yeah. So if you're looking specifically at TELUS's business, we mm-hmm. generate awareness through um knowledge leadership and getting our um, getting information out that adds value to our clients' businesses. And our goal is to do that more. So, so your, your clients are all over the United States. They are. Okay. If you, if you have a prospect that, that you were referred to in San Francisco, does that mean that Betsy gets back on an airplane to visit San Francisco after spending some time talking to them on the phone or Skype? We do, yeah. And um, the typical process would be: I usually will spend a pretty good amount of time speaking to them on the phone. Um, I'd say an average client will talk to maybe an hour to two hours on the phone. Initially, we may do a WebEx um, presentation, and then we follow up with an in-person meeting um, at their office. Mm-hmm. And is it a one-call close? You leave their office with a check, purchase order, or the or equivalent. 
I'd say yes. Usually by the time we meet with them, we've qualified uh, the opportunity and found that there was uh, a good opportunity mutually. And Mm -hmm. the in-person meeting is really solidifying that. What are the obstacles that you see in the marketplace? Uh, For TELUS or for our clients? For For TELUS. I think as the industry has matured, um, there's more providers out there. So it's very important to um, focus on what we do and uh, convey that very clearly and how that's different from other providers that are out there. Sure, there are plenty of Internet providers. uh, In terms of differential, uh, are you developing all of your uh, websites and client interaction domestically here in the States, or are you offshoring some of the projects? We do all of our work um, in-house, and Mm -hmm. we do have partners. Um, Some of those partners have some offshore components. So we try and draw a clear line of the services that are TELUS services, in other words, the consulting, the user experience design, the quality assurance planning, quality assurance measurement that we do, as Mm -hmm. well as the the dashboard, which measures return. So those are in-house services. Um, Clients who are implementing technical aspects of websites or integrating with systems oftentimes are using a combination of onshore and offshore resources. So if someone has to integrate their ERP system, uh, the infamous SAP, uh, to their new website so that consumers can purchase dishes online, would your company handle the whole process or just a piece of the process? We would handle the planning for that Mm -hmm. and um, all of that, you know, expenditure planning to prioritize it, develop the roadmap to take it from a strategy to an executable plan that can be measured. And we would help um, set up the partners on the technical component who would deliver that specific integration. So we typically will stay involved throughout the process, but we'll work with a partner to execute that technical integration that you're referring to. So so you won't contract for the integration of the website, the SAP system. Right. We will have a partner handle that. Correct. Good. Okay. Betsy, let's take a, uh, another short break and we'll be back in a moment. Imagine you just left your prospect's office and he now has your proposal, quote, or estimate. What do you suppose he's going to do with that valuable information that you just gave him for free? Call you tomorrow with an order? Get real. He's shopping it around to the competition. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. I'm constantly amazed how salespeople operate. They believe a prospect asking for a proposal means the sale is as good as closed. Face it, trained prospects will turn you into an unpaid consultant. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing sales, call me at 513-646-6523. Find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger. Or register now for our next open house, 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. This is Mike Roth with Sandler Training, finding power and reinforcement. Are you tired of prospects saying, I want to think it over? Are you tired of being an unpaid consultant? Call me at 513-646-6523. On the web at rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Betsy Emery of TELUS. Betsy, we have a theory of operation here that simple solutions to complex problems 
are invariably wrong. And therefore, if you want to solve a complex problem, you need an equally complex solution. Perhaps you could share with our listeners a complex problem that you encountered as CEO of TELUS and the equally complex solution that you, you provided that may be applicable in theory to other industries. Definitely. As, as uh, we've grown in mm-hmm. our, our business over the 10 years, we've operated. The um, nature of our clients' businesses has changed. The economy has changed. The world has experienced radical changes, and the Internet industry has matured. And we started as a full-service provider, which meant we did strategy, design, development, hosting, integration, and marketing. So we would put a strategy in place, and we would be the end-to-end partner to do literally everything A to Z for that client. And um, that's... Can I ask why you decided to not be the end-to-end? Well, we um, developed a process to make sure that everything we delivered was hitting um, our clients' user experience goals and meeting their, their business goals. So... That process became the roadmap to ROI, for which we are now nationally recognized. And we found more and more people were calling to say, hey, we want that process, but we already have a website provider. Can we get you to help us improve the return from our existing website? Or they had some combination of in-house capability and wanted to leverage their in-house staff, but do it better. And so over the years, we said, sure, you know, we're happy to do that. And we found ourselves doing that process more and more through a variety of um, platforms. And so we moved away from the aspects of our business that were adding less unique value and focused on those that added the most unique value. Yeah, the commoditization is is rampant. In fact, we were talking to a web hosting company that, in fact, was going the other way in the direction that you are, moving out of web hosting to uh, creating websites for clients mm-hmm. uh, because of the commoditization in that business. i also like to ask our CEOs or guests, perhaps you could give other CEOs, leaders, managers, company presidents, one leadership tip. Well, I think it, it ties to what we were just talking about, and that's really focus on do one thing great and be passionate about it and Make sure that that one thing that you do great is something that no one else delivers in quite the way that you do. And therefore, there's a vision and alignment from you as a leader and the passion you bring to the business and deliver to your customers each day that your team will naturally get excited about and follow. So it's um, hard to uh, to overstate the importance of a team who is enthusiastic when they come to work each day and the quality of service that is then delivered to the client as a result. So what do you do at TELUS to keep the team enthusiastic every day? We believe that good ideas come from everywhere. And as we shape the vision and look at how we can be responsive to change, we listen to good ideas from every employee, whether they have 20 years of experience or this is day one. We also listen to feedback from our clients, and we try and put that into practice daily to make our business better and more aligned with driving results for our clients. Mm -hmm. In the early days of the Internet, many of the companies did outlandish things, some still do, uh, to keep their people motivated, everything from putting in a basketball court to a a slide, (laughs) two-story slide I saw up in Norwood a couple of weeks ago. 
Yeah, <laughs> we have not done anything that dramatic. Um, we do try and be flexible in working with employees and their uh, work-life balance. Mm -hmm. um, in having long-term employees and long-term clients, we've been through lots of ins and outs and ups and downs with each um, t member of our team. And I think the flexibility we've shown to meet that balance has been, you know, more than met in productivity and, you know, kind of winning the, the hearts of client, clients and employees who are, um, have stuck with us for the long term and add a lot of value to our business. Mm -hmm. I remember up at your office, you have a, a company pet. <laughs> yes, I do. That's the newest member of our team. Yeah, and, and the member of the team's name is? Amy. Amy. And Amy has four legs. <laughs> yes, Amy is my new lab puppy. She's 13 weeks. And she is our most enthusiastic employee. In the morning when I go to work, she's running out to the car to hop in and get there. And she has made friends with each employee, and they love her. So she no longer wants to leave the office when I go home each day. So as she gets older, is she going to continue to be a company employee coming in every day? I think so. She's okay. a, yeah, she's been a fun addition to the team. Well, that's a, that's a good deviation from normal office practice if it keeps everyone happy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good, good. In the couple of minutes we have left, I've noticed from your background there that you, you've, you've written a lot of papers and done a lot of talks. Perhaps you could share with our audience your two favorite topics to talk about, personal favorites. I have to think about that. Well, one piece is really looking at process for delivering quality. So the, the roadmap to ROI that I discussed um, breaks down into specific stages. Mm -hmm. And process sometimes sounds a little boring to talk about, mm -hmm. but good processes do lead to proven results. And the science and art of creating an effective web presence is something that can be very much managed through a good process. So I'm very passionate about data-driven processes that are validated that we know produce reliable results. And um, many of the <clears throat> articles that I have um, created and the, the talks that I do speak to different components of that process and how we apply those processes to consistently deliver on user experiences that drive business results. Um, the other piece is looking at how we create what I'd call kind of good old-fashioned customer relationships using Internet media. So we have all of these new technologies that sound very advanced and at the same time really now allow us to deliver authentic conversations that can really add value to a client or a customer in their life. And that's something I'm pretty passionate about. Mm -hmm. On the Internet, I've heard two, two uh, unique propositions in terms of using video or short vignettes, testimonials, etc. Some people say that they're exceptionally good and good practice, other people say they're distracting, they take too long to play back, uh, it's uncertain 
what the playback will be on the other end based on the internet broadband connection and therefore should be avoided. What do you recommend for your clients? That's a great example of a content strategy to um, to help promote a good user experience. And where it's used effectively, it can definitely produce measurable results. For product pages on commerce sites that use video effectively to demonstrate product benefits, we've seen a 50% increase in the conversion rate for 50%. those products. Oh, I love the blender guy who says, does it blend? I loved it when he dropped in the iPhone. <laughs> exactly. That's a, those are, um, that's a great example. In fact, I've used that one in some of my talks. It's the BlendTech mm-hmm. um, viral campaign. And uh, their uh, their traffic went through the roof with that particular viral strategy that was all video-based. So that's a good example of a more engagement or entertainment-focused strategy. Mm-hmm. And the one that I mentioned on a product product page would be more of a commerce strategy. So it can be used effectively in both instances, and you just need to know what your goals are and how you apply it. What you wouldn't want to do is make it a barrier to your customer experience. So it it shouldn't be a required thing that someone click through the video on the homepage before they get to something else that they want. And so it it just needs to be thought through in the right way. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, in in taking note of all the uh, white papers and talks that you've done, Betsy, uh, over the years, have you ever thought of compiling your work into a book? Now, I almost would think someone in my office asked you to say that because uh, you, I am in the process of writing a book, actually. Good. That will be coming out early next year. Good. Uh, we at Sandler uh, believe in books. And, uh, gee, I've got to go back to 1995. Uh, I was among the people that browbeat David Sandler into turning out the first Sandler book, You Can't Teach a Kid to Ride a Bike, at a seminar. And that was a minor success. He had the misfortune of dying before it hit the bookstores, which really killed the book tour. <laughs> but I'm bumped. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was probably 10 years before the next book came out. And the the last two books, where we've coupled the strategy for marketing the book, it's called Catapulted, the 49 Sandler's uh, Rules book uh, to the number one book on Amazon for about three months and then shot it up to the number three book on the Wall Street Journal business book list uh, for a considerable period of time. And that book was followed up recently by this book, The 11 Sandler Insights or Success Principles. And... uh, as a thank you for being our guest on the show today. I'm going to give you a copy of the book. Oh, thank you very much. And naturally, the book has got a million-dollar bookmark in it, my business card. I help people make an extra million dollars. And it's got a calendar of classes. And you and some of your people might want to come to the classes. There's a free pass attached to that. Are there any last tips about selecting an Internet vendor that you can give to our listeners? One thing I think is often overlooked is the relationship you expect to have with the company. So you want to make sure they have the qualifications for creative or technical or strategy um, or marketing, you know, the specific skills you're looking for. And you also want to make sure that they are set up to deliver the relationship you desire, whether that's to empower an internal team or you're looking for a long-term partner who will be there with you. And um, oftentimes, it's the relationship 
that causes the the whole piece to either be a success or not. Right, right. And, and selection criteria is uh, is an important thing because most people will know how to evaluate buying a car, but not know how to evaluate buying a internet vendor for an expensive website and get a good ROI. Absolutely. Betsy, I appreciate you uh, being with us here today. And Scott, why don't you take it away? Thanks for listening. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.